couple years ago, I was sitting down, uh, taking a break from my job at The Athletic Media Company, and uh, I was drinking a non-alcoholic beer from Athletic Brewing, and I thought, uh, hey, this this could be a partnership because I'm, I'm an ad wizard, and so I put those two things together, and Took a couple years, but now I get to read ads for Athletic Brewing and uh, their non-alcoholic beers, and I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about it because I like the product. I like the product for a variety of different reasons. There are times where I'm uh, the designated driver, and that is it's perfect for me. I don't feel like I'm, I'm missing out on a whole lot. There are also times where I'm not the designated driver, but it's going to be a long day of gabbing. And I don't necessarily need to have 10 IPAs in a row. So I will mix in an athletic, non-alcoholic beer. And I I feel like I don't miss a beat. And it allows me to pace myself uh, the way I want to do it. It's perfect for beach days, music festivals, baseball games, camping, late nights. Uh, They have a ton of different varieties. They have uh, Light. They have Upside uh, Dawn Golden. They have Run Wild IPA. They have a Hazy IPA. They have Summer Seasonals. They've got a a Lemon Rattler, Ripe Pursuit. I don't even know what a Rattler is, but now I want to try it. I feel bad that I haven't tried it. So this summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer you need to know, Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use the code T. TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off. It's near beer, non-alcoholic beer, and it tastes... Listen, I grew up with some funky ones. Uh, those didn't taste like beer. This tastes like... This This is good non-alcoholic beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hold That Podcast podcast. As always, I am your host, Chris Branch, along with my co-host here, Brody Miller. We are both of The Athletic. Brody, it's been a little over a week. How are you? Yeah, I am doing well. I want I want to apologize to our listeners that we have gone two weeks at a show again. We Not that you care, but we, we were supposed to have a show for you Thursday, and we ate pastalaya for you, which we will get to in a sit later. We, we, this is the pastelia sode and we were a pastelia pot. Sorry. And we, we, Chris made some incredible pastelia that we will further review later and discuss one of our favorite hot topics. We had a show ready. We're going to do a live show together and then just stuff went wrong. So we're like, all right, we're just going to do the show right next week. We'll talk about baseball, but we wanted to apologize for that. It was, it was filled with big baby boomer energy of very a small little bit. technical th- Small technical things that we could not overcome, which made it a bust. And I've never felt more helpless in my life. Like I really I did feel call, old. Like can it I wasn't call even a our fifteen year old cousin? It wasn't. It wasn't our fault. Nobody cares. Like we was, weren't being stupid, but the, the if we explained to somebody what the problem is, we would sound so stupid. So was, I'm not going to. We had all these plans for this live technical show, and we had all the mics and everything, and then we ended up just having lunch together, which was lovely. Yeah, but I'm not going to turn out lunch it was with just a funny. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we will get to that. We will get to that in a second. But the most recent news in the LSU universe, and Brody, you were just in Hattiesburg. 
Uh, I am blaming you going forward for these losses as, you know, you showed up on Sunday and all of a sudden the magic was gone. What, what were your thoughts from Hattiesburg? That's fair. I, I actually, first off, my response is I will remind you that once I showed up in Baton Rouge in general, LSU won a Fiesta Bowl and then won a national title the next year. So you're welcome. You really I'm, had to reach early there because you clearly see an opening in your flank here. No, no. I just think that's worth <laughs> I, I would say grand scheme. Uh, LSU won a big t- uh, SEC title. You know, I think I am overall a, a positive luck charm, but that has transitioned lately because I did also show uh, fly to Knoxville last year for the Super to do like a big pulmonary's last ride thing, and they obviously mm-hmm. lost there. So I have officially yep. become the baseball bad luck. Oh, crap. I'm actually realizing I am the base. I arrived in the spring of 18, and since, this, since I arrived, it has been the longest drought for LSU and Omaha since like 1985. So. Wow. Public I am the baseball bad luck. I owe, I owe Palmineri like a handwritten letter of apology. I guess I ruined his career. That's okay. So can just talk to me about the atmosphere there in Hattiesburg. It was from from a viewing standpoint that it was weird and frantic and chaotic and ultimately a bummer. But what what was it like <laughs> being there for those two games? Yeah, I think I'd start by saying like watching a ser- a regional or a series or a super in that kind of setting like in an actual college baseball town there are just few things better you know like there're plenty of teams around the country that are really good but they're just normal towns like sports towns where it's like okay we're good at baseball fun but then there're towns like LSU obviously where it's like it's a baseball town like Hattiesburg Southern Miss baseball that is one of the biggest things in that place and so it was really cool to have this region this regional setting where it was obviously deep down LSU versus them the whole regional and two schools you know what two hours apart or so and just like there really did feel like there was a because you don't want to overplay this but it felt like there was this kind of like not that they have a connection but like that big brother little brother thing Mm -hmm. of like we are showing you know like we are better than you we're hosting this regional and all that which just made it a really cool setting like you could feel that in the crowd you could feel that in the in the southern miss dugout just kind of that vibe of like these are the big baddies and we got to get them which just made it fun so i think it was a cool environment in a lot of ways but it was just a it it's hard to even call those last two days surprising because they're not but it did just feel like this frustrating few days for LSU baseball because there is this it is this kind of all not I don't want to say all time but it is an elite offense that like has mm-hmm. all, like four or five eventual first two round picks on it right and like yes. it it just felt like man you are wasting you know this all time lineup not literally obviously I don't think it's an all time lineup but all time talent so yeah and and you know the story by now and we'll get into it like. The pitching, you know, LSU just went into this whole thing at a pitching disadvantage. That's been well documented. And it's not news, you know. I've never seen an LSU team with a stranger weekend rotation where it's like, no disrespect to any of these people, but most years none of those three would even be weekend starters, right? Right, right. Like, you know, Mikhail Hilliard, awesome LSU Tiger, a lot of love, and he will go down as a, a beloved player, but he's a midweek guy or a bullpen guy almost any year at LSU. So... It always felt like they were just kind of like you were trying to figure it out your way to Omaha, which is usually not a recipe for a real title contender. And you could even hear Jay Johnson talk about that all the time. It was just about like piecing it together, figuring it out, and basically hoping this offense can get to 10 to 12 runs against really good teams. And 
and eventually that just ran out. So yeah, it was a fascinating series. It was fun as hell. Obviously, that last game wasn't was a great baseball game going down to the wire, and both games really were. You and I watched Saturday's game together with that absurd six two ninth inning comeback. Like mm-hmm. this, this LSU team did everything you would ask it to do based on what it had. Right? It's like. All like, you know, the offense, fun as, fun as hell. After a few years of the offense being the issue, and then, you know, they showed the fight. They, they Two games in a row came back from 11-2 and 6-2. They did everything you could ask, except just they couldn't overcome their pitching. Like, eventually their pitching problems were just too big, right? Yeah, the only thing I felt like that was in LSU's control that they could have figured out was the fielding. There was a lot of yes. just... Absolutely. excruciating fielding errors that I was like, can we run some more drills? Can we get a fungo out here? Like, I, you know, I don't know. Glove work seems to be, it's like free throws in basketball or something or defense is like, you, is you could mostly all the time be very good defensively if you really want to or can be. And it's just like, you just couldn't do it. And there was probably multiple runs that were scored because of stupid fielding errors. Um, Absolutely. But at especially, the same time, like especially Sunday, yeah, Sunday. It's, I couldn't get over the fact that I was like, to your point, as an LSU fan, I'm like, first off, I'm really pissed that like we have an order with Dylan Cruz and Jacob Berry at the top of it, and we couldn't get out of a regional. Like it just yeah. seems like it should it should be easy to overcome. But at the same time, the pitching and the defense have been like not great all year. And it's been bad enough to where I was like, am I impressed that they made it this far or is it, or am I mad that it is this way? Um, That's that's really the question, right? Yeah. yeah. And I haven't figured out my answer either. It's like, part of me is like, man, if Jay Johnson gets them to a super bowl, super regional, I'm like, that's a great job. And then to your point, there's the other part of me. It's like, yeah, but man, not getting out of a regional with those players is hard to wrap your head around. It's like this weird thing of like, it's Johnson's year one. So anything he does is actually gravy, but it's just like, I don't know what what is the expectation with this roster. I actually don't really know what the fair answer is. I it, it, the roster was not. I think coming into the year, we didn't expect them to be like a, a surefire. Yeah, Omaha trip. But here's here's the thing that bums me out the most is that they were one to two runs away twice, and we would have hosted. Like I would have loved for LSU to have hosted another super. Anything can happen there. Like if this was like last year where you're going to Tennessee, I would have been like, oh, that's tough. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're going to a, to a, another juggernaut that you know pretty well, um, I would have been like, uh, that probably would have ended poorly. But like get somebody like Ole Miss to LSU and like it would have been super fun. And I think LSU would have had a really good chance to make it to Omaha. Yeah, your favorite in that series, no doubt. Yeah. I, I don't think that that team will would have won. <laughs> I think they might have been too and barbecued in Omaha, but still it would have been great for Jay to get to Omaha his first year. But Absolutely. Anyway, so you're you right. No, because the, that is the like how you frame it is it's kind of up to how much you want to drive yourself insane. Because like you could be <laughs> responsible and just be like, you know what? From day one of this season, we knew this pitching staff was like not you know that at least the weekend rotation i should say like the bullpen right. actually had its moments but that the weekend rotation is just not good enough to get you to omaha like you knew that and like if you look at it that way it's like man this is what it is but if you view it that way of like everything broke right and if you just make like yes. one less mistake you are probably going to omaha like mm-hmm. that hurts so yeah it, it's tough to frame it that way and the fielding thing 
I think that's the only thing that you can look back on the season and like, I'm not going to use the word blame, but like feel frustrated or concerned with Jay Johnson. It's that it is the lowest fielding percentage, I believe, since 2007, which is mm-hmm. fittingly also Maneri's first year. So a little, I wonder if there's something, you know, some through line to look at there with like new coach, you know, connection, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, like that is the problem. Pitching, I do not put any blame on him. Uh, he inherited almost nothing if anything the few good pitchers were guys that he got as transfers right uh or like right. you know, uh so i'm not gonna hold that against him the fielding's weird now i don't think he has a history of poor fielding so i'm interested to see next year two years from now like if that is a problem again next year okay time to have a real conversation about like what's going on with that but i just know and talking to people around the program like i think they're Year ones are tricky, man. Like, because they're not your guys. And I know he brought in one or two of his guys, but they're not his guys. And I think there was probably, I mean, he spent his whole press conference, like, talking about how much he loves his team and he wanted to do it for him. But, like, you know, like, it is tricky. It's not his, I don't know if he felt like this is exactly the kind of team he would build or, like, all, like, all of this roster, the guys that he would pick on a roster, you know? And I think we will find out more in the coming years. And I'm not trying to, like, make excuses for him or anything like that. I just think Jay Johnson seems to know what he's doing. The one thing everyone talked about with him is how good he is at developing offense, and he did that year mm-hmm. one. I mean, granted, last year's offense was great, too. But And also, like, I think the main thing that has excitement around him is that he is this, like, savage, just relentless baseball recruiter. Um, right. and, I th- and I think that's the thing we haven't seen yet. And the thing that you will actually see over the coming years, that's going to be the difference he makes. That's that's what I'm ready for. I mean, the, the only thing I'm mad about Jay for the weekend is that I, I think he was a little too quick with his pitching hooks on Sunday, but... Yeah, like we said, it's a, he was he's working with a, a staff that's not great. Um, I'm excited to see these big classes come in. I, I'm interested yep. to see how he, you know, Paul's problem every year was I have this amazing class, and then half of them are gone because they're so good that they get drafted and get you know a good bonus, and and they're understandably out. So I'm interested to see how he works with that. Yeah, uh, but I'm I'm just excited to see. I mean, the thing is, the team is still pretty young. Um, so Absolutely. the offense still, still Dylan Cruz, the best player in college baseball, Dylan Cruz. Yes, or at least he probably will uh, be next year. I should say. So Trey I, Morgan, uh, yes. guys like you know Dugas still has a decision to make, or guys like that. Like you have a pretty loaded roster still in a lot of ways, and your pitching staff, even though it's going to be a lot of new, which is tough. Like it's going to be infinitely more talented. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. I think that's all we should say on that because yeah. you know it's 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 a an unexpected chance to get to Omaha that was then snuffed out. But um, the future is bright. It was just a, just a little bit of a bummer. I, you know, I love the baseball fuser that comes with this time and, and LSU playing in those golds. Man, it's irresistible. So um, a bummer, but I'm excited for the future. I think Jay has already inserted a lot of juice into the program. And I'm excited to see how that translates on the recruiting trail. Absolutely. All right. So now we are going to transition into something that, granted, we planned on talking about last week when it probably was more like hot news. But still, I just think it's something that warrants a really good discussion, which is, of course, the SEC scheduling discussion. And, of course, it very much seems like the favorite to happen some point in the next few months is for it to likely go to a nine-game schedule. Divisions get crushed. And 
most likely the favorite right now is, as most of you probably know, three permanent opponents, not a pod, which I think like that's been this like exhausting, like it's discourse. It's a pod, but it's fine. It's not pods because pods would mean it's like a division where you guys are all playing each other. I know. Let's do this. But like, I've seen so many like semantic people online being like, it's pods, but they're not calling it pods. And I'm like, how is that pods? Pods would mean there's four teams together and they're all playing each other. While it's like, this might mean your three opponents are actually teams that none of them play each other. I get it. I get it. And I don't think we should, we should spend time arguing semantics on here. Every team is going to have three permits. It is clear. But yes. I, I think, hmm, I want to know where to go. I'm trying to figure out where to start with this because I want to ask you. Anyway, to, to our listeners, yeah, like it most likely is going to be three permanent opponents and then you rotate the other six basically every year and you basically get to play each team every other year, right? So I want to ask you, as somebody who's been around LSU your whole life, somebody who is a fan and a reporter and all these things, who, if you had to pick one, who is the team that you care most about being in your three permanents? This is a really tough discussion because a you know we enter the arena that L- every LSU fan has heard so much stuff about throughout their lives that LSU doesn't actually have a direct rival. Yeah. Or we don't we don't have a direct rival who's also the direct rival. You know, and it really depends on the era in it yeah. like we are currently in an Alabama era where it's Alabama and LSU and like maybe not even in the last 2 years but like over the last decade, like they have been the two best teams in the West, you know, overall. And every game every year was this big event for both teams. You know, you get past this game, you're probably going to go to Atlanta. And then Auburn is doing its Auburn thing where it's either the best team on the planet or the worst. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't like. See, I'm struggling even now. The, the the Florida rivalry to me is yeah. fun, but like kind of nasty. Like I don't like Florida. Like it's just, you know, the hurricane thing really set that off, and then the way they th- that they acted after that. And I'm sure they say the same thing about us, which is yeah. Fine. yeah, but <laughs> that's fine. That's that's just that's just the way these things go. Um, Alabama, there's always a, like a grudging respect, even though like yeah. they have crushed my dreams so much. It doesn't feel like decade. that's a rivalry of like personal hostilities. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I think I would care more about if, if my choices are Alabama and Florida, what, what other schools are you envisioning here about like the number so, one rivalry? No, and that's helpful on its own that you went to those two because yeah, I think, I think I feel like, and I'm curious to your thoughts on this. I feel like most LSU people I've talked to over the years, like, yes, Bama for the last 15 years has been like, yeah, it's the standard it is the thing that like is the measuring stick of their program it at is. all times. And there's so much like emotional baggage with that. The last that that 10 years between 11 and or and, or eight years between 11 and 19, like there's a book to be written about that. But sure. I feel like most I've talked to. Ole Miss is like the team that like they care most about like on a personal level making sure they beat each year. Like it feel I uh, I think we have a few mutual friends. Like I remember Tyler Batiste, who I know we want to have on the show eventually. Like he's always said Ole Miss is the one he cares most about. And I know it's like it never felt like the two programs were truly equals. So it might right. not have that that's same rivalry it, that, vibe. That's why it doesn't it doesn't yeah. reach that level to me. Like that's fair. Yeah. Ole, Ole Miss 
here's here's how I feel about this. If if we're going down the SEC West for me as a fan, it's Alabama at the top. It's Auburn right under them. Now it's A and M up there, but they're they're new. They're they're like this. I, I still don't know what to make of them historically because you know it's this nasty rivalry of the last three or four years. But until five years ago, they didn't matter to me because we beat them every time. Yeah. And then before that, they weren't in the conference. So it's always been Alabama, then Auburn. And then I grew up Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State in the same sector of like, these are teams that we should beat every year and that I get annoyed with every time we we dally with losing to them or lose to them. It annoys me. But I don't have this like, man, I'm going in this year and I'm thinking about beating the pulp out of Matt Corral. I don't care. Like, <laughs> and that's it's, kind of it, the it problem is, you're in though right it's the madman like, elevator elevator meme they're like look we're gonna beat you this year it's like i don't think about you i don't think about you know i obviously love you know everybody knows i love lane kiffin on this show and he's made almost fun which is a weird oxymoron to me as an lsu fan because almost is always the kind of stodgy um you know let's break out the chandeliers and the cutlery for tailgating uh, in the Grove, which is boring and gross to me, but you know, don't at me. Um, I just, I, I don't think about them. I, I do think if, especially in this time of the year when we're in the summer, I think about Alabama. I worry yeah. about Auburn because just like this game last year, we should have beat Auburn. And then all of a sudden, you know, Bo Nix decides to become Houdini and it's just annoys me. But anyway, it's Alabama and, and it's Florida and then it's Auburn and AM, and then it's everybody else. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So this is fascinating because I think just reading tea leaves and also talking to people within the program, like I feel like Alabama, Florida, and Auburn aren't that likely to be in your three, which is fascinating, right? I think well, Because they are, they are betrothed elsewhere. Yes, like Florida, 
And that's another hard part of this, right? And then we all, like, I think there's so much I want to discuss this because it is so fascinating. Because it's like, how much do you factor in balance? And maybe balance doesn't mm-hmm. matter because you also play six other teams. So, like, maybe it's all nonsense. Maybe if it's like, yeah, you have three brutal ones. Okay, that just means your other six probably aren't quite as hard just by definition. So, like, maybe just none of it matters and I'm overthinking this. But it's like, yeah, are you trying to balance out, like, okay, you don't want Alabama to have Auburn or no, that's a, I don't, maybe Florida. That's the right example. Maybe you don't want Florida or Auburn to have like yeah, you don't want Auburn to have Georgia and Florida and like or and LSU and Bama. Like maybe that's too much. Maybe or maybe that just it doesn't matter because like LSU, yeah, Florida, they have to play Georgia. That's a given, right? They kind of have to play Tennessee too, to me. Yeah, I think they have to play Tennessee as well. I, and by the way, I see our colleagues, the Athletic, didn't even have that in their suggestions. Tennessee and Florida, which I'm with you. So it's like, and then you have like Alabama. They have to play Auburn, of course. And I think they have to play Tennessee. So who's their third? Yes. Do you go LSU? Yes. But if you go LSU, it's like that doesn't feel that balanced. It's top heavy. Yeah, it's just real. I don't know the answer. And then like, yeah, like we said, Auburn has so many commitments. It probably has to have. Georgia has commitments. It has to have like because mm-hmm. Georgia needs to play Auburn and it needs to play Florida. So it's like, OK, you, can't, you don't want a third juggernaut there. Um, you know, your Mississippi schools, they have to play each other, stuff like that. I think the one that feels most like guaranteed for LSU is a and I think that is ha- like, yeah. that seems pretty set for a bunch of reasons, right? Like. One, obviously, there's everything we just said about, like, there's very few schools that are your obvious one. And by the way, A&M isn't even Texas's number one. So it, it just adds up. It feels like that, whether LSU fans like it or not, that has evolved into your traditional rival that you're going to be paired with. And by the way, I love that. Uh, I love Houston, New Orleans. Like, I love, I think, geographically, it makes the most sense as much as we want to think, put the Texas schools together. I think there is, like, a Houston, New Orleans, like... I don't know, connection in a lot of ways. Um, I think the Jimbo stuff writes itself, even though that's obviously temporary and can only go so long. But like, and then I think these last few years are just a real thing. Like it's become a very good rivalry. So I don't think that's going anywhere. I've talked to one uh, administration person who, you know, who basically his prediction was A&M, Arkansas, Ole Miss, which is not going Mm. to excite people, but it also makes sense, right? Like Arkansas is a longtime rival. Like, hey, it has a an infamous trophy. I think that makes here's, sense, but it's not juicy, right? And that's what makes it two, so hard. Here's the two sides of my brain here, because I am a journalist by trade, but I am also a diehard LSU fan who um, cares about nothing <laughs> more than, than LSU football having success. So. If I, if I access the journalist side of my brain, I'm with you. This is tough. Man, LSU-Alabama is the big ticket every year. It's an exciting game. It's all that. Like, how do you lose that every year? And then the LSU fan says, get it off the damn schedule. I don't want to lose to them every year. So I am, yeah. as an LSU fan who, who says, like, people, this is just going to evolve into a bigger conversation, how I, I think people should, like, I got into an argument with people online after Saturday's LSU game. I tweeted something about like, I just want LSU to have an easy win. And everybody was like, you telling me you didn't love that? I'm like, of course I love an LSU comeback, but I would like to not be there in the first place. And if some, you know, it, and it's, it's like if you go back to years and you're like, you know, so-and-so beat so-and-so, but their best player was hurt. And I was like, you know what? Nobody gives a shit about 10 years later. That. But the banner hangs. The ring is on your finger. You won. So... 
get Alabama out of here. I don't if know I if you're the. Ma- I'm curious. I don't know if you're the majority on that opinion. I actually don't I care, know the I care, answer. I care about results. I think there's like, a lot of people, and I I don't know where I stand completely, but I think there are a lot of people that like view it more as like sports is like yeah, it's like sports is about having something to care about. So it's like I yeah, I think there are a lot of people. That I care about like, LSU success about, in all sports. Yeah, I'm, I I know that. I'm just saying. I think there are a lot of people, and I think I am with these people where it's like, but what are we doing? Like. Isn't it really about making like going up against the team you care about beating? Isn't it about the experience of like going against I your think rivals? You are absolutely wrong. <laughs> I I don't know if I am. Like I don't do you, know. Like, do you think, I can think of do, so do many you, basketball seasons where it's like a team's non-conf, the best non-conf they have is like Bowling Green, and it's just like man, what a just brutal October, November, and December of being like twelve and one, but like not a single game I wanted to watch. Yeah, okay, but like if that team went on to have a Elite Eight run, would you be like, man, but that non conference schedule really didn't get me going? No, and this is also this is also so different. This is football. This is football. So you're telling me that LSU football fans, if we had a pod of a pod, sorry, a permanent opponent rotation of Texas AM, Arkansas, and one of the Mississippi Mississippi schools, and LSU went twelve and one and made the playoff. Do you think we'd be like, damn, but we didn't play Alabama this year, and that's really bugging me? Hmm. No, absolutely I, not. I think there'd be we're, a lot of people. We are throw going that in, in mass. We're going in mass to the playoff game. We're partying, and we're gonna celebrate some wins. Who gives a shit? Maybe so. Yeah, I just don't know if I view it that way. <laughs> I think you are if, okay. If if whoever's listening to this, please tweet both me and Brody or email us. And tell me how right I am because I care about the rings on the fingers. I care about the flags flying in Tiger Stadium. Well, that's just such an unenjoyable way to like follow sports. If like everything's not, about though. the result, it's not because the thing is, is that you're not always going to get the result. <laughs> that's that's the thing. So like exactly. when you get there, so then like it's like man, are you really going to look back on that like LSU Arkansas game? Like it's just like no, I like. Part of sports is like on Saturday, I care about watching this game. And it's like, do I want to watch a 27-13 Arkansas game every time? No, I want to watch like, I want to watch IU play Purdue in like a top 20 matchup. Like, that's what I care about. That's what it's about. See, this this is where our delineation is coming through. Because like, you're, you're telling me that as a fan, you would rather watch IU lose a great game to Purdue than IU win 27-13. I didn't say I want them to lose, but I'd rather you, like. This is the line you're making here. But no, I'd rather like actually have games that matter to me, and I like am emotionally invested in. Yes, you're talking. Yes, you're you're talking as an objective observer, and I get that. No, no, no. This but is the f- fan part of my brain. No, no, no. This is not as an objective observer. Like this is the fan part of my brain saying, like, yeah, I'd rather have games that like I have to be emotionally invested in. Yeah, absolutely. I I am emotionally like, invested literally in the twenty-seven thirteen win. Ah, man, I, I like, like I like watching. Are LSU you really spending touchdowns. Monday through Saturday like thinking about this game and excited about it and stressed about it? Like, like yes, that's the part I love is like that tot like the North London Derby, you know, Tottenham Arsenal game, and just like that whole week just being like my gut is stuck because I'm thinking about like can we do it? And then we actually go out and win, it and it's like I am on cloud nine. Well, like yeah, I'm not gonna really give it like a crap about like the Tottenham Brighton game, you know? Okay, it's just I- like. I think what we're missing here is that I I understand what you're saying, and I will feel that way about most every LSU game, to be honest. Uh, But 
the the thing is that LSU is always going to have a big opponent on the schedule. There's always going to be this game, whether that's, you know, it, and we're arguing about these three teams and acting like there's not going to be six other teams. Like Alabama is going to be on the schedule five out of every 10 years. A good Auburn team is going to be well, there. Well, sure, Jordan's but now we're changing the discussion. We were discussing that one specific part of it. I know, yes. but I'm saying, uh, I, I'm saying I will take the easier three-team uh, like little triumvirate every time because I want LSU to have the best chance of success because once we get to the end of the season where we're in Atlanta, we're in a playoff semifinal, we're in a playoff final, all those teams are going to be good. Like... <laughs> Now, I'm going to reframe this for you then, just like to keep at the heart of this debate because I'm so fascinated. Would you actually rather be a, um, what's the best, an ACC school then? Like, would you enjoy college football the same if you were Clemson in the ACC? Where it's like, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I just, I think to my core, I would not. And that's my fan cap. Like, it's just like, man, Clemson beats Boston College by 40 again. Like, I think my life would be like less enjoyable. <laughs> That's an interesting point. Uh, I just, I mean, I, I don't know if it's comparable though. And like now I'm getting into fine bomb territory where I'm like, this is the SEC. No, you are, like, you are right. But that's like the core of the discussion. I think like your outlook on this is built in that like, yeah, but it's the SEC. So it's going to be hard. See, anyway, okay. But I like, get, but see, I, I'm more like, do you do you feel like LSU's um, 2019? Like, do you feel like there's a little hitch that like actually Ohio State should have been there and maybe it would have been different because of the bad actually, call? Well, 29. I see where you're going, and I, I'll think about that. But 2019, actually, the reason that season I think is going to historically carry the weight it will forever have is because you had the hardest schedule in a national championship season history. That is why that team is even more revered than it already would have been. Because you played it's like true. you you had seven, I believe, different wins, six probably, wins against teams that were top ten when you played them. Like that is that road was insane. And you played like seven different SP plus top ten defenses and still had the best offense ever. Like that is I do think that framing actually enhances enjoyment. Yeah. Or shoot, even twenty eighteen, man, like because that's probably more like a normal fan experience, right? Twenty eighteen was like yeah, that was a pretty good LSU team. Sure, like they finished what ninth or something. Like, yeah. But what made that season probably memorable for a lot of people is like they won three different top ten games, and it was just like this emotionally substantial season. I don't know. It was. It was fun. I, I, I'm with you. I which just, is funny because um, the record was nine and three. Which, by the way, how many other nine and three years are you just like screw <laughs> that about? But that one's memorable <laughs> because like they won all these big games. And you know the thing is, if we zoom out this argument is be kind of going to become mute moot because there is going to be six, probably six other great teams on the schedule no Absolutely. matter who our yeah. permanent opponents are. I just found a fascinating debate and I was like, I really want to hear your thoughts on this. So I apologize. Because I, the, the, the bedrock of my fandom is I like to see the guys in the purple and gold and white jerseys scoring touchdowns. I enjoy an LSU blowout. I have a great time when they when they win 41 to 3 it's one of my favorite things i mean i love the thrilling games but i also love feeling like lsu is the best team to ever play football and so (laughs) um i'm gonna enjoy the results uh i had you know one one of the best memories of my uh adult life is being in the superdome for uh the 2020 title game um 
nobody can ever take that away from me. And I don't care if Ohio state didn't fumble the ball or whatever. So, um, I'm always going to be results based. I take your point. And I do think that we probably have a good Texas A&M team to worry about over the next. Oh yeah, five and it's years. like a good one. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's, it's not like it's not like we're going uh, LSU. Arkansas don't miss a really is, good these days. Yeah, but still, like now, if we were to get into like LSU gets paired with Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, um, the greedy fan in me would be like, "Great, we're going to win nine right. games every year." But obviously, I hope I it goes without saying I, I that it's our point. number one. That fan would be a li- but it would be a little un- it would be a little unbalanced, I would say. So, A and M's going to be there, and then you know, I'm sure the scheduling wizards will. Whoever gets this, like quote unquote, because you know when these pairings, when these groupings come out, there is going to be one school that Birmingham is quote unquote in the tank for. Uh, no, absolutely. I mean, shoot, I think board. people are going to argue, like, if we just look at the one our athletic writers propose, which I don't obviously agree with top to bottom, but, like, people are going to say that about Alabama. It's Auburn, Tennessee, of course. Mississippi State. Well, you like, know. At this exact it, point in 2022, that does that's not scary to anyone. I feel like A&M would have a tough one, to be honest, because I assume that two of those permanent opponents will be LSU and Texas. Yep, absolutely. And, and so I, who I, else? A&M would have a really Missouri? tough one. Missouri is the that third one in there. That would make sense. Or Arkansas. No, I, I'm with you though. Yeah, I I, I don't know what you do because you're right. Two of them are built in really tough. I I think Oklahoma has been suggested just to kind of keep like that regionality. Which by the way, oh I kind of like the that's idea a, of regionality, but that's brutal. That's hell. I do yeah. too. That's a that's a juggernaut for them. Um, and but and again, just like this is me devils playing devil's advocate, literally against myself, like because I'm just not sure what the answer is here, like. But then you could argue, yeah, like okay. But I guess your other six, by definition, aren't as bad because you already have three brutal ones. Like, like you've gotten three out of. But then again, there's 16 teams in this conference. That's what makes it hard, and that is why I'm I'm talk I'm saying this blind because I haven't seen like all of like you know what I mean. I don't have like the Excel sheet in front of me, but I'm like, right. there's 16 teams, so you mm-hmm. might have three brutal opponents, and your six are brutal. Like, right? It's not what that like. It's there's it's not like even when it was fourteen, it's like, yeah, you know, you have these three brutal ones, but all right, by default, you're gonna get you know, uh Missouri and and you know, South Carolina. It's like not really. Like, what if Texas AM has those three and they have Bama that year and Georgia that year? Like you're just like, oh god. And I guess that means hey, the next for- year's easy. So I don't know, maybe who knows? But forgive me if I'm not read enough on this, but for for those other six teams, is there like a set formula every year to where like LSU would know its nine opponents like five years yes. out? Just yes. just not like dates because and times. every year okay. it's you're playing every team every other year. So okay. yeah, you would so, literally know. Okay, now I'm home at this place next year, and then two years from that I'm away. Yeah, you would know because I'm like I'm thinking about the whole you know Birmingham shadow government going further if like. There's just a new schedule every year. If they're like adjusting for, you know, oh, I have I have this trio that or juggernauts this year, and then you know Birmingham's going to stick me with six softies, or you know, I, I don't know. So that's good to know. Yeah, that, I guess they that, probably that, couldn't. It's a good question though. So, and then to kind of like, just to, like to get back to the actual point of the discussion. Okay, I think both of us kind of think A and M and Ole Miss are happening. Like those seem a little safer to me. So yeah. 
Yeah. The hard part then becomes who's the third. And I just don't know. Because Arkansas regionally makes sense. And it's it is historic rivalry. Like, you know what I mean? Like as much as it just it literally is. doesn't feel like it, it is. There's a trophy. A very dangerous one. Um but it's like, is that really what you want? But then you're like, yeah, I don't, it's the question. Do you what? want a harder one? By the way, you know what's funny? We haven't even mentioned like that Auburn, I know you did at the beginning. Like Auburn hasn't even been mentioned with LSU. And it's so funny to me. Because Auburn's, it's like, like, like that's I feel a, like that's a Auburn classic is per- LSU rival. It is. Auburn is like your really good friend from high school who just like you can't fit into your wedding invite list and they can't either. <laughs> because yeah. Auburn's got Georgia, Auburn's got Alabama, Auburn's, you know, it's just life, you get it, you're like, hey man, like, I appreciate the thought, like, you know, we're, you know, I wish we could have made it, but I totally, it's, it's understandable, and we'll, we'll see each other around, like, yeah, because I agree, but because when I was growing up, before the Alabama rivalry was Alabama, because before Saban, which, for fans True. that are younger than me, they can't even imagine. Alabama was a mediocre mess most years um, in, in my childhood. And they were probably in like the Tennessee zone, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. absolutely. Like, yeah, so, they're capable in the right year of being really tough, but they weren't scary for like 10 years, but, 15 years. So that was that was Auburn. I mean, Auburn was Tommy Tuberville. He was smoking cigars. We were yeah. beating his ass afterward. And like that was the one you get like charged up for. Uh, that in Florida. So... Um. Yeah, that is that that is interesting, and like, you know, it, it will be it, it will be Nicole. fun. It, it it'll be fun, but I I'm not super upset if they don't put Auburn in there because I understand, and I don't know. It's it it it's well, not. I'll end on this yeah. then. How weird will it feel like that first year that you just don't play? Bama? It will it will be really weird because like, you know, in in my tailgating and fan group and friend group, it's like, you know, everybody. I am interested to hear from people about, you know, that are big fans. And I think it's honestly exciting, but there's this cadence. Like every other year we go to Bama every other yep. year. We, and then the, the, the next year is we go to Auburn and then like, and then you pick the East schedule. It's like, Ooh, here's the new game. But now you're going to have six, probably four new places to go, you know, but you're going to miss out on those trips. Like you, you I was going to say, we, we did you, kind of leave out like the other benefit in all this. And it's like, Oh wow. It's kind of cool that you actually get to go to Columbia more often or Knoxville or honestly, you get it's, to see it, Georgia, it's, you know, like that is fun. It's amazing. And this is like the most like, uh, doesn't matter, but you know, I I've been to Charleston a few times over the last three or four years and it's so close yeah. to Columbia. And I was like, I've been telling all my friends, I'm like, God, the next time we play Carolina, like we have to just go stay in Charleston then hang out in Columbia. It's going to be so great. But then they're like the old formula scheduling format. It's like, Oh, well we'll be there maybe in like 2026. And I was like, Jesus, like life could be so different. I, you can't yep. plan it like no, that. And so now, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's going to be great. Add I think Oklahoma it's going Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to make it to Norman. Ah, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Not as in I'm excited to see Norman, but just like, yeah, you know, it's an all-time college football program. You know, you want to go. Yeah, and it's a cool stadium. It it's yeah. it's a cool atmosphere. Absolutely, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully LSU doesn't play them at like 11 a.m. on Fox, but um, anyway. <laughs> um, um, all right. I, no, I think that was I a, think a helpful here's, discussion. Here, here's my final answer. I yeah. think it's going to be Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, no matter how little I care about that damn trophy and how much I don't think about that game outside of game week, um, it makes geographical sense. 
it probably makes scheduling sense. You know, there's just something around when you get to Thanksgiving, it's always going to be Texas A&M and Arkansas back to back weeks somehow. Um, it, it just makes sense. And I think I would, I think I care more about playing Arkansas than I care about playing Mississippi state. Now, I was just gonna, that was it, really my next question. Cause technically I think you've played Mississippi state more than like anyone. Like sure. I want to say I, for, that could be incorrect, but I want to say that's like the sec opponent. You actually have technically played the most. And like, there's probably some far, people out there who are going to be like, that's your real rival. When like, we no, all it's know not. it's probably like eighth, seventh, but it's yeah, just, nobody yeah, cares. Like, so you would choose Arkansas over state. That's good to know. Okay. I would, I would. Yeah. Ooh, All right, it's I gonna think, be fine, think, man. So is, is I know. There, is I'm, I'm genuinely into this, and I feel it, like so often with like SEC like administrative discussions, like I mean, like, I know like sports writers care, but I don't. This one, I'm like, man, I am into this. This is I cannot wait to see what they decide to do. Do and we don't have a timetable right now because there was a there was a thought that it could get resolved like last week, and then that just kind Correct. of evaporated because correct me if I'm wrong. The argument is the smaller schools want to stay at eight. Because that gives them a better chance of being bowl eligible, Indeed. while the bigger schools want to go to nine for this new scheduling format, and they're not as worried about becoming bowl eligible. Yes, because the smaller there's schools, more, there's obviously more money in nine SEC games for everyone. Yeah, so it's like right, but the big schools want it. The smaller, are like, oh shoot, that's the difference between five and seven and six and six. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's money for them too. So I I, I get it, but I I True, just, I just assume the big I assume the big schools are going to win out, and this is just yes. going to be the way life is. Um, yeah. Well, and, and the other counter, if you want to like really devil's advocate it, is like most likely I think everyone's eventually going to be nine conference games. So mm-hmm. like right. that might mean that like it's not going to be some built in disadvantage, if that makes sense. Like right. totally. It might not be like, wow, it's unfair that we have to play nine. Because I mean, the Big Ten's been fighting that uphill battle for a while now. They've been at nine for a while. Like mm-hmm. In, t- in theory, if everyone is, then no one's at a disadvantage. Unless maybe like the weird repercussion is it suddenly means like Sunbelt's just cranking out nine bold teams and no one else is. But I don't think that's going to happen. So Maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I'm- also, we've seen the precedent for like sometimes they just the six and six thing maybe we make too much of. And a lot of times they're just going to send a five and seven Auburn or something, you know? Yeah. Why not? Who cares? When you get to that level, it's like, who cares? So, um I'm excited to see this when it comes out. I'm excited for all the arguments. Um, can't can't wait to impersonate a radio caller when Alabama gets like Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and Auburn. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I assume whoever gets Vanderbilt, you're going to act like it's, you know, whatever big school gets Vanderbilt, it's going to be like, well, Birmingham's in the tank for it. Like Greg Sankey clearly is on the payroll here at insert big school. Um it's going to be fun. I, I hope it's soon. I hope we get to talk about it soon, but we'll see. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. 
or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. And now, yeah. the, the fall schedule, I don't know whether I'm going to go into this fall schedule being like, and I know we're going to have a couple years, but I'm going to go into the fall being like, am I going to savor this old schedule or am I going to be impatient for the new? I don't know. I think I'm going to be impatient Ooh. for the new. I'm going to be like, I can see uh, myself also being more than that zone. Yeah. We're, oh God, we're going to Starkville. Okay, great. Yeah. Get it out the way. Like <laughs> stuff like yeah. that. So All right. anyway, that was a great discussion. Um, Brody, let's get to the most important topic of this podcast, which has been a long running discussion in the hold that podcast world. Just about the somehow well, that podcast universe is I like to yeah the um, HTPCU yes hold that podcast cinematic universe yeah I'm the on somehow yeah. divisive dish of pastelaya now I will tell I will tell the people how I made it because I know we're concerned about this and I also have a take embedded in here Brody so I people sent in uh, some recipes I appreciate all of you I basically read about ten recipes. Uh, including the ones you guys sent. Um, it was lovely. It is a little different than jambalaya to where uh, in jambalaya for, you know, the basic process for th- this and jambalaya, and, you know, I'm sure I'm going to get people yelling at me, is that you take your meats, whatever meats you're using. I use chicken thighs, tasso ham, and andouille sausage. You brown them up. I didn't brown the, the, the tasso at first. I just browned okay. up the chicken and the sausage. You leave the fat drippings behind in there, and then you put your trinity in, you let that sweat down with some garlic if you like that. And then I added some chicken stock, that I, homemade chicken stock, which is the key. If you okay. don't make nice. chicken stock, you should. Um, let that reduce. Put put the meat back in. Let it all come together. And then, you, you know, you add your spice in there. I added a lot of spices. It was pretty spicy, was it not, Brody? Um, but, and then, so the thing was is that I, I put my pasta in at the end. I cooked my pasta separately. And then, hmm. which is, which is, see, the rice you no, were just I'm cooking. No, I'm because I'm interested, not because I'm doubting you. I'm just well, like, because I don't like know what the, the rule is. It's, it's, you're not going to put like this, you know, I use, I use this long, like spaghetti-ish pasta, um, spaghetti strand pasta that wasn't like, if you're using like a rotini, then sure, throw it in there. But to me, I would rather get the pasta cooked correctly. And when you are you know, doing this all in one pot, like you would maybe a jambalaya. Um, it's harder to uh, measure those cups and that liquid to, to make sure the ratio is right. So I cooked the pasta separately, um, cooked it so it was al dente, mixed it all up. The pasta still wasn't cooked. So I put some more chicken stock in there, put some pasta water in there, let it cook down a lot. It turned out really great. Um, the interesting thing to me was that with pasta lye, I think I've had pasta lye that are basically just generally pasta dishes that seem like it is yes. this pasta with a light sauce and that. And what the difference was for me with the one I made, and I think what makes a good pasta lye is that it had that gummy feeling like it was a cohesive dish. It was pretty moist. That yeah. what I love about jambalaya is that it's all kind of like clumped together in the best way. Some people might not agree with that. That's what I like about it. Um, also, here in a true Cajun way, I used what I had, and that was a red bell pepper instead of that, a green that, bell that pepper in the Trinity. Yeah. 
And I think that I would like to lobby the Cajun petition to make red bell peppers part of the Trinity and not green because so I think I was red bell peppers you. taste better, um, a little more flavor. Uh, there I was like an bell- acidity in it. Is that from the red bell? Yeah. And then I, I, I mean, I used some, um, my secret ingredient there was a hit of fish sauce, which is uh, some people Ooh, okay. mad at me about it too, but that's for that depth of flavor, that umami Love that. Situ- situation. But yeah, I, I, I think red bell peppers have a little more flavor, and especially after you cook down than a green bell pepper. It is not tradition, but I had three red bell peppers in the fridge, and I said, I'm not going to go to Rouse's to get one green bell pepper just to be authentic here. Um, so I thought it turned out great. I'm I have this thing where I, I cook a lot. I enjoy cooking and I'm still surprised every time something that I make for the first time comes out well, because uh, I like to be negative with myself. So I was really pleased with it. I was surprised. I ate it for three meals. Um, we ate it in silence together because Brody wanted to preserve his take for me live on air. So uh, please hit me with it. You educated. <laughs> I know. Me. I love that. I did that, but it's not like I even have some like incredibly long take. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was really, really impressed. I thought it was genuinely oh, thanks, great. And I've had a lot of pasta lie to your point that it's just like perfectly fine, but also to counter that I've had a lot of jambalaya. I think more jambalaya than not is just perfectly okay. But yeah. I, but I, like, so, you know, I, I think that's fair to put it that way. I thought it was delicious. I love that there was like a, Almost like a jalapeno acidity on it a little bit that you don't always mm-hmm. get. I thought that really did that took it a long way. That was I think the thing, and this is not in regard to your cooking. I just think there's a part of me, and by the way, I give it like a nine out of ten. I loved it. I thought I, I want another bowl. Like it was delicious. But I just found myself like missing that slight like browning in the pot of jambalaya. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's just kind of like char is not the right word but that kind of you know just that kind no, of browning is. yeah i guess it is yeah that char feel that like rice in a pot with those flavors you know against the, mm-hmm. that i think is the only thing i found myself missing but to be clear you know i'm a big believer in mismatches go both ways i also think the pasalaya added like a different texture and take on flavors that actually like elevated some of the flavors i really do believe that so i loved it i don't know if i'm like pasta over rice but I loved it. Uh, so well done, sir. Uh, tip of the Thank cap you. To you. It, it was we impressive. can exist in this world where you can Two make a really good, good pastelaya <laughs> and you can still preserve jambalaya and not be like, you know what? Pastelaya doesn't is like this abhorrent mutation that doesn't deserve to exist. Like <laughs> Wait, this reminds like me half of the Cajun South believes. I was going to say, because uh, I, I, I referenced this like a few weeks ago. I remember like there was someone I talked to had like the strongest takes on it. And I remembered it was when I did that big like opus on July in 2019. And mm-hmm. I talked to, you know, Chef Chef John Fulce, who's, you know, one of the, the yeah. gurus of Cajun cooking. The childhood heroes. And he, yeah, and he was the one who I, I have the uh, the doc up right now. And he said, Pastelaya ain't no damn jambalaya. And he's like. No, his, his, not John. John, no. His, his mentality was. And. and by the way, you you touched on this, which you did well, but like his whole thing is the entire thing is about like the influences of Cajun food and you know the using what you have and all of that. And you and I actually agree that like yeah, using what you have is hey maybe I have pasta instead of rice. That actually is more to the the uh, the sentiment. But his mm-hmm. int- mentality was like that's an Italian influence. It's pasta instead of rice. Like you bring the Italian in when like that was not part of the Cajun cookbook. Like oh, you know, that kind of bumps me out, man. The- yeah, I know. I- I- I'm not saying it's my opinion, but I had to pull that up. 
the, to get the guru's thoughts on the matter. I don't inherently agree with him because I think like, but this was actually my favorite part of that story, and it's like a tangent, but it's like my favorite thing about the Cajun Creole discussion, not just with jambalaya, but like all food, is like Creole food used to be the bougie, like, this is how food should be when like you look at it historically. It's like, we have tomatoes, mm. like, this is how we do things because we're cultured, and the Cajuns were the ones who were like, whatever we can freaking find, you know, I'm going to yeah. make some good food with it. And as times pass, I think it's crossed. I think it's now the exact inverse. Cajuns are now like tradition. This is how mama did it. And this is how we do it. And anyone does it wrong, like, I will fight you. While like yeah. Creole is more like inventive now. And it's like, how can we elevate this? How can we change this? So it is really, this is such a tangent. I bet most of our audience is like, why do I care? But I just love that like idea that they've actually like swapped. Well, I have to say that, you know, anybody listening to this that grew up in, you know, Baton Rouge or, or South Louisiana, um, you might agree. So John Falls was basically on the local news, like at least once a week, if not two or three times a week. So I would, I would watch him in that accent, talk about all this stuff. And it bums me out that he doesn't like pasta lion. Yeah. I thought it was weird that he added like, and Chris sucks. Until, it was like, like you and, really just and, crushed and, your dreams. You know, in, anybody, I ain't going to taste this pasta lion. Damn. All right, John Falls. <laughs> well, I but it I'll, was uh, fantastic, man. Well done. Thanks. Especially I your first, that. that was your first time doing it, right? It was, it was. And yes. you're only going to get better with it. I, I don't think yeah, I've ever had, had your jambalaya. Well, we'll have to fix that. Yeah. I, well, I, mean, I don't good. even know. Like, is that a specialty of yours? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've made gumbo more than I make jambalaya, but um, I love making both. I mean, it, it, it tastes like home. So um, anyway, pastelaya haters can go play in a different uh, pod when they schedule, <laughs> when the schedule comes out. Um <laughs> Pastelaya will be in my permanent rotation, and you guys can all, yeah, suck it. Um, Brody, we have a quick last five minutes club now that we have, yes. you know, uh, made half of this pod last five minute club. You content. could argue it's a double last five minutes club because Pastelaya is also in the spirit. That's right. Um, this is going to be a quick one, though, because it is so hot here in South Louisiana so right now. Um, it is going to be so hot for the next three months. And I always, every summer, especially since I, you know, moved to New Orleans almost eight years ago now, um, is just like, what, what do you do on a weekend? And this is going to elicit some funny responses when a, you don't just want to go, uh, have adult beverages in the middle of the day, but yeah. you don't want to like go on a walk. You don't want to go do an outdoor activity. What is Brody's New Orleans or just Louisiana indoor activity? I mean, I am, this is like, I am prefacing this that I am boring, but like my number one hobby in the world is going to the movies. Like, you know, I go to the movies like once or twice a week by default. So yeah, I feel like my summer activity is like air conditioned movie theater, Top Gun again from the top. Like, I feel like that's. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. I know I'm bad. I'm, hey man, I got the rest of the afternoon free. No, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like I think movies is my answer. I think my other just to like show my nerdiness of like, cause I think just to be clear here, like is your sentiment a little bit more like at home or is it like somewhere you can go indoors? I, I was thinking somewhere, but at home can be fine too. Okay. No, that's good to hear that. Yeah. Then I think movies is probably my clear answer. Where, where are you going with it? See, I, I unlocked a childhood memory. Like of the, this Hell is yeah. what triggered it over the last couple weekends where like me and my wife are just sitting at home and it's like, what do we even do? 
And it's like, we, we didn't want to go get lunch. You know, my wife is pregnant, so we can't go get drunk somewhere like we might have <laughs> two or three years ago. Um, and we just went to the mall for like two hours. Ooh. And I was like, A, I feel so old Great because answer. this is what I used to do in Baton Rouge at the mall of Louisiana when, you know, you're bored as a 14-year-old. Mom, can you take me to the mall? Like, my friends are meeting me there and we're just going to walk around and act like we're adults or, you know, do whatever teens do at the mall. Um, and then I was like, I just, I don't know. I was just like, yeah, sure, I'll shop the Gap sales section. I don't have anything else better to do and I don't want to be outside. Um, and... Then I'm going to go through the department stores. It felt so very 2004 to me, but it was like, it was the only thing we could think about doing. It wasted a few good hours. Um, but I, I'm also saying, I, I also wanted to bring this up because like, I need suggestions. Like, yes, I want to hear some as well. We oh, all, I, I we love all, this because I literally just did this yesterday in Hattiesburg. Like I had some time to kill before the game. It was hot. And I'm just like, all right, I went to the Hattiesburg mall, the Turtle Creek mall. Decent mall, <laughs> was it? And See, yeah, it was. It was. It was solid. Yeah, but yeah, and I just roamed them on. I'm like, man, I love this experience. I, I didn't even I actually did buy some stuff, but still, like, I had nothing I needed to do. But it's like there's something weirdly nostalgic for people of our generation of just like malls make us feel like this weird like childhood feeling. It's so weird, and like the thing is also, I mean, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have been able to tell it at Lakeside Mall in Metairie uh, because it was jam packed. But like malls are kind of a thing of the past at this point. Like we're all shopping online where this is not an economics podcast, but still <laughs> can be, I need, I need your favorite summer indoor activities. So I don't die this summer as I get older and paler somehow. And I'm just, you know, going to wilt outside on, and I can't exactly go to a bar with a baby on the way shortly. So, um, yeah. Anyway, this is a great podcast, Brody. I am excited for the pod scheduled to come out. I'm going to keep calling it a pod just to make you mad, even though I know it's not a pod. Um, Results over everything. Pos lie over everything. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please rate us five stars. Uh, Birdie, anything coming up that you want to plug, promote before we get out of here? Um, No. The answer is actually no. Wow. Great, great. Great promotion, Jordan. Everybody go read. I got a bunch story. of stuff coming. I just don't want to tease stuff that I'm like, you know what? Actually, it might be a few weeks and you're going to be mad at me. So no. Oh, wow. The ultimate tease. This was like the, yeah. the Marvel the, the vague scene. tease. Yeah. Birdie just writing, typing, and then <laughs> fade the black. Um, yeah. Well, be on the lookout for these unnamed, untitled Birdie Miller projects coming soon. Uh, Birdie has a good story up about the baseball series, even though it didn't end as us fans wanted it to. And yeah, send us those uh, summer uh, recommendations. Let's do it with the sun emoji. I ran into some emoji troubles last week when the lunchbox emoji does not exist. Uh, I was, I thought it did. I could envision it and it's, it's just not there. Real Mandela effect on my hand. <laughs> so let's go with the sun emoji. Yeah. And yeah, we will see you guys next week. <laughs>